Right, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. We finished the book of James, and all God's people said amen. And we were in it for several months on maturity. And you know, maturity is uh, realizing that you can't live the Christian life in your own strength. You know, a lot of people are waiting to get saved when they feel like they can live it. Well, I want to just say this, you can't live it. But Christ can live it through you, amen? All because of the hill called Calvary and the way called uh, uh, the cross, that's the only way to go, amen? It's the only way to come to Christ. I want to begin a series, and I'm going to go through baby dedication day. I saw a little baby right there, Justin, amen? Proud of that little baby. And we're going to have a baby dedication day the Sunday before Thanksgiving. We always do that, but I'm going to preach every service Sunday morning, Sunday night on the family till we get there. And I want to tell you why. Because the family is in trouble. Amen? Uh, there are so many families that are falling apart. If I was the devil, <clears throat> and I've been here 40 years, and I've probably been called the devil by a few people. I made a lot of people mad this, this week because I was just trying to get an idea of lighting for this place because we're taking all these chandeliers because they're old as I am out. And, uh, and I just kidded around and said, uh, I got the colors for our auditorium, black pews and red carpet. <clears throat> And, ha and everybody believed it, amen. Oh, no, we want Kentucky color. We want Tennessee color. We want Auburn color. I said, Lord, how mercy. Did I stir up a hornet's nest, amen? But I'm sort of glad I did because uh, I'm going to tell you something. I'd have pink before I'd have black. I guarantee you that. Even though I am a Bulldogs fan, and I, I didn't say a word to Brother Randy about the game, not a word, <laughs> not a word. I wouldn't do that in the house of God. That's just not proper. I'm dying to, but anyway, <clears throat> folks, it's not going to be black carpet and red pew, uh, red carpet, red c carpet and black pews. I'll just be honest with you; it's not going to be that. And everybody wants blue, but we've had this for 30 years. We're going to change, praise God. I'm guarantee you. I'm tired of looking at it. Not tired of looking at you. And by the way, it doesn't matter what color the carpet is and what color the pews is. It's that we fill these pews up with sinners that need to be saved. Say Amen. Let's don't get so uh, tied up on the building. When we realize the church is, the, is uh, you and me, and that's what counts, amen? And I'm glad to see each one of you here, and I thank God for the new converts that have been saved that are here. And uh, last week I was preaching, I don't preach out much, but I was preaching on the family at Vision Baptist Church, and the reason I was excited about that all day Saturday is because a lot of missionaries, <clears throat> a lot of missionaries, Brother Jeremy, were listening around the world and on deputation, and some of them wrote me. So that's exactly what I needed. You know, real, you realize this, if I was the devil, I'd know how to destroy this church. <clears throat> also, I'd know how to destroy uh, Jeremy and uh, Rebecca's marriage if I was the devil. And that's divide them. One family at a time will destroy this church. And you don't think the Trojan horse is creeping in your bedroom and in your kitchen and your living room. You got another thought coming. <clears throat> Matter of fact, he's got you right where he wants you. You're deceived thinking that your marriage is beyond uh, his attack. It is not. Amen? And missionaries especially are coming off the field. We had a fellow that was in China, and I'm on the Macedonia World Baptist Missions Executive Board, and we were discussing what we are going to do because he came back and was going to become the deputation director, take Brother Tony Howe's place. But he got bitter at his wife because she got sick, and that, and that knocked him out of China. <clears throat> so what did he do? Came back home with his five children, got a girlfriend, 
and left his wife. Don't tell me it can't happen. It can happen. Amen? Happened to some of y'all. And folks, by the grace of God, you're rebuilding your life. Amen? So I believe we need to preach on the family a whole lot. And I have a burden to do that <clears throat> for retreats. And uh, we got one coming up in April and looking forward to it so very much. You know, I thought about <clears throat> something humorous this morning is that uh, there was a fourth grade class, <clears throat> uh, excuse my voice, uh, uh, Brother Andrew about sung me to death down there at the, <laughs> at the joy class. But um, there was a fourth grade class and the preacher came in, he was going to uh, teach on family <clears throat> and somehow he got off on marriage. That's a little premature for fourth graders, don't you think? But he said, how many of you know what God says about marriage? And one little old boy raised his hand because there's always one little old boy in every class that knows everything. Say amen. Or he thinks he does. Or he'll answer anything. Say amen. Y'all got boys like that. And he raised his hand. I know, I know, I know. So they finally called on little Johnny. Johnny rose up and says, what does God say about marriage? He said, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. <laughs> amen. And that's probably the truth, amen. If you don't go by the book, you don't know what to do, amen. You don't know what to be. And it's hard to laugh in church. If you don't believe it, ask Brother Jeremy. One time he was on deputation. This is why I know he needs these series on family. He's on deputation, one of my friend's church up in Greenville, South Carolina. The home of the best barbecue in the world, they say. But I think Chattanooga has it. I'll take you to the place if you want to go. And um, uh, he was doing something, handing out faith promise cards or something. He was all nervous. It's one of his first... Uh, churches that he'd visited on deputation. And so he came back, and being the good example is, he put his arm around his wife, you know, just sort of snuggled her up a little close, you know. And about that time, somebody taps him on the arm. And he looks back, and it's Rebecca. He's on the wrong pew, and he's put his arm around the pastor's daughter-in-law. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Is that not the truth, brother? <laughs> they took him on on the spot. They said to somebody that nervous and that uh, don't know where his wife is, he needs support, amen. <laughs> he called me up and said, hey, your missionary put his arm around my daughter-in-law. And I said, he didn't do it on purpose. I guarantee you I'd kill him, amen. Uh, I said, brother, brother uh, uh, Danny, just take him on, praise God. And he did, <laughs> he took him on. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. That was the funniest joke I ever told, and it was the truth. <laughs> Let's stand on the Word of God. Likewise, you wives, 1 Peter chapter 3. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the Word, they, they also may without the Word be won by the conversation or the way of life of the wife. I want to tell you something. You're a powerful testimony if you'll go home and not gripe and nag and preach and just live it. Say amen right there. Praise God, man. That was your chance. That's going to be your last chance to say amen. While they behold your chaste conversation. That's your chaste conversation. Listen to this. Coupled with fear. Fear of God. You ought to practice the presence of God in your home. That'd make a big difference. Say amen. Woo. This is going to be a long series, I can tell right now. Whose adorning, let it not be with outward adorning, a plaiting of hair and wearing of gold or putting on of apparel. Now, folks, I believe it's all right to wear uh, jewelry. Now, this is taken out of context, Church of God. Uh, I believe it's all right to wear makeup. I believe it's all right to paint a barn as long as you don't put so much paint on it you can't identify the object. Say amen. 
I, I think it's all right. But I want to tell you something. It's not the outward appearance, but look at verse 4. But let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. No man has enough guts to say amen right there. A meek and a quiet spirit. Now listen, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this matter in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves being in subjection to their own husbands. Even Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Now here's the text. Likewise, ye husbands, Dwell with them according to knowledge. Giving honor. I want you to underline those two words that will change your marriage. Giving honor unto the wife. As unto the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. I want you to notice the greatest definition in the New Testament on marriage, I believe. Here it is. You got your Bible? Teenagers, you got your Bible. You need this as much as these adults because one day you're going to get married if somebody will just look beyond your face. No, no. But look at this. Look at this now. Listen. Listen, teenagers. You need this. It says, heirs together of the grace of life. That's marriage. That's the home. Heirs together of the grace of life. I want to preach this a few minutes on heirs together of the grace of life. You may be seated as I pray. Father, I want to thank you for my wife. I want to thank you, dear God, for my children. I want to thank you, dear God, for the privilege of being married to a lady of God that loves you and that loves me and that's always encouraged me. I don't think I'd be here for 40 years if it wasn't for an encouraging wife and a godly wife that prays for me when I get down. Lord, I love her with all my heart. I thank you for the gift that you've given me the first salvation, but second, of a godly wife. Now, Lord, I pray that you'd help us this morning to realize what a privilege it is to have a spiritual relationship with our mate. God bless America, but God, you're not going to bless America unless the families are available for your blessings. And so, Lord, help us not to go by philosophy, not to go by popular politics, but God help us to go by your word to rebuild America and to rebuild our church and God to build our families for your glory. So Lord, give us grace to be heirs together of all your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3, 7, likewise your husbands dwell with them. You know what that's saying? You ought to spend a lot of time together. I want to say this. If you're having marital problems, and the way that some of y'all are sitting about 10 feet apart, I think you are, but uh, no, maybe you're not. And we don't let the, we don't let the kids uh, snuggle up, but we sure appreciate husband and wife snuggling up a little bit. Amen? But don't get too close. But I want to say this, friend. I guarantee you if you're having trouble in your marriage and you don't spend time together, you're stuck. You're stuck. Folks, you spell love, T-I-M-E. You spell love, listen. You spell love, touch. You spell love, praise. You spell love, edify. You spell love, give. You know, two sinners can never meet each other's needs. By nature, 
we're selfish. Can somebody say amen? And don't elbow your husband right there because they'll know that he is selfish. But by nature, we're all selfish. And by nature, we want it our way or the highway. And I want to say, friend, only by the grace of God can you overcome sin, but only by the grace of God can you overcome yourself. And only by the grace of God can you be heirs together of the grace of life. That means that, folks, two sinners get saved. And I want to say this, you that are not saved, I don't care if you're single or you're a child or whatever, that is the foundation for you being the kind of person that God has created you to be, and that's a giving, loving, ministering person to, for God's glory and God's honor. Folks, we ought to be spiritually one for the glory of God. This is not about you. Marriage is not about you. It's about His name, praise God. Folks, I want to tell you something. You shouldn't rent your robe because you are His priesthood. And it was a death sentence in Leviticus chapter 10, verse 6, for any priest to rent his robes. Prophets could rent their robes. Uh, kings could rent their robes. Apostles rent their robes. But never did you see a priest rent their robes because a priest was never without hope. We should not give up on our marriages. And folks, one out of two marriages in Dalton, Georgia have exploded, imploded, and praise God, they're no longer existing because somebody said, I can't live with that person. And I want to say, we need to minister grace and mercy to our mate. And it's only by saving grace. So if you're not saved, you have no foundation for any relationship. You have no foundation for giving. You have no fountain for His love flowing. And I want to say this, as I go back to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29, it says that we ought to minister grace to the hearer. Now who hears you the most? Your mate and your children. And I want to say I believe that the home should be the most gracious place on earth. Heirs together of the grace of God. You can't give out of emptiness. The best the flesh will do is manipulate. The best the flesh can ever do is get. And sometimes they give to get. It's called, you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. And folks, sooner or later, that person will be exasperated and sapped and drained because that maid is depending on you for her security. And that lady, uh, and that man is depending on her for his significance. That's the greatest need for a man. The greatest need for a woman is security, love. To be loved no matter what. To feel love. And to always be loved. Say amen, ladies. That's the truth. And folks, I want to tell you, if you depend on your mate, you will drain each other, you will exasperate each other, you will wear each other out trying to meet that person's need because you'll never do it. Two sinners can never meet each other's needs. I'm saying this, friend. You need the grace of God in your life. It's amazing what grace will do. It's amazing how grace will minister to your mate, how the Spirit of God will meet your mate's need. And folks, it all comes from above and then down and within and without Folks, the closer you get to God, the closer you get to each other. Don't start, stop yielding to God because it's the only hope for your marriage. It's the only hope for you children to honor your parents. The Bible says the husband ought to honor the wife as the weaker vessel. 
Now, a lot of ladies, they get all hung up on this uh, women's liver stuff. I'm not a women's liver. I'm an Adam's river. I'll get that later. But I'll tell you this, friend. I don't believe for a second God has called a man to dictate to a woman and to lord over her. I believe for a second, uh, not for a second, that God's called you to be so demeaning that you think she came out of your foot instead of your heart. I believe that, folks, when you're more like Christ and more like the Heavenly Father, more like God, you're very easy to submit to because your love is overflowing your heart and she loves you so much the way you're treating her. And you're a spiritual leader, not a dictator. Don't take that out of context. But I will say this, friend. The only way that you'll ever love your mate the way Christ loved the church and gave himself for is by the grace of God called the Spirit of God. Folks, don't just be married. Be spiritually one. That's a big difference. And there's no way on this earth you're going to submit to that old boy that takes you for granted. You cook all day and have biscuits and gravy on the table and, and fried salmon and collard greens and mashed potatoes. Did I say mashed potatoes? Iced tea and praise God, strawberry shortcake with Cool Whip that thick on top. And then he complains about the biscuits being a little overdone. You want to slap him instead of submit to him. Say amen. Hey man, I want to tell you something, friend. It takes the grace of God to submit to an old boy like that. Say amen. Some of y'all smiling because y'all been there, done that. I'm just saying, folks, listen. This marriage thing is way beyond me. And it's way beyond you. It takes the grace of God. Folks, the Bible says, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. You know what the knowledge is? The knowledge is you need God. That's the fear of God, but it's also knowledge. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. The beginning of knowledge is the fear of God. And I, I, I hope this series will help you realize if you backslide, your marriage is in jeopardy. Because I'm going to tell you something. Nobody can live in the flesh with somebody else and enjoy it. But the Bible says, likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them. Spend time according to the knowledge. You ought to know your, your mate. You ought to know they're different. Say amen. And I thank God for the difference. Amen. Last week I was preaching on it wasn't Adam and Eve. It, was, it wasn't Adam and Steve. It was, it was Adam and Eve and that same-sex marriage is an abomination to God. And a lady got offended in the church because she's, she's living in that abominable lifestyle. She said, I don't appreciate what that preacher said about me being an abomination to God. And the lady that brought her said, no, God said it. He didn't. <laughs> Amen. I like that answer. Praise God. And she didn't get, let her get a hold of me. She just she dealt with her visitor. Praise God. But I want to tell you something, friend. It is abomination to God to take each other for granted. It's a sin against God for you to walk out of your marriage. Some of you have done that. You need to rebuild by the grace of God, and you're not a second-class saint. You don't need a title to serve God. You just need a good heart, and you need a forgiving heart. And you need to realize God has forgiven you. Start over. Say amen. I'm not endorsing nothing, but I'm not condemning anything except what God condemns. He loves the permanency of marriage. He, his will is for you to stay together. His will is for you not just to hang, uh, stay together, but His will is for you to give honor. I want to tell you how to energize your relationship in 60 seconds. One word. Honor. 
Say amen. Men, I've asked this question a thousand times. I'll ask it one more time. My time's up, so I guess I'll preach this tonight. Do you smile when she comes in the room or when she leaves it? I'm smiling now because I'm nervous. <laughs> I mean, you're watching the Georgia football game, them stomping those gators, and you're saying, oh, I shouldn't have mentioned that. You're saying, honey, wait to the commercial. She's coming there with an important announcement. You know, the child's run away. He's in the street. You can't find him. Wait to the commercial. That's not showing much honor. Amen. You ought to smile when she comes in the room. And you ought to treat her better than any unannounced guest that's ever walked in your room. Say amen. Yesterday, this little old short guy, I mean, he looked like he was 10 years old, knocked on my door. I said, praise God, if it's a Jehovah Witness, I'm going to let him have it. And it was a politician, Brother Mike. I said, what? You out here in the rain? He said, yeah, I just want to show you that I've got as much diligence out in this rain after I get elected and before I got elected. And so I talked to him, asked him where he went to church, asked him if he was born again. Praise God, he wished he hadn't knocked on my door, amen. But I'll tell you, I thought, God, thank God a politician can be out in the pouring down rain. I ought to go out and make some visits, hallelujah. I wanted to. But I want to tell you this, friend. You need to dwell with them with knowledge and with honor until the wife is the weaker vessel. Now, folks, as I said, I'm not a women's liver. I'm an Adam River. River, river, not river. But let me say this. The weaker vessel does not mean that she's not, that she's inferior, that she's, she's less than you. The weaker vessel means she's more fragile. She ought to be treated like a beautiful vase, not like some cooking pot. <laughs> you got me? I'm preaching now. She ought to be honored that she don't have to go to war for us. We fight the battles. She ought to be honored when you go to your car to open the door for her, when she's got carrying twins in both hands, praise God. Some husbands go out and blow the horn while she gets five kids ready. What you ought to do is make him go in the house and get the five kids ready, and you stay out there and blow the horn. Amen? I'm preaching now. But I will say this, friend, honor means that you open that door for her. You have manners after you're married. You do the things you did before you got married, after you get married, and you won't get unmarried. Don't ask me to repeat that. But my wife asked me to repeat that all the time, amen? What do you say about that before the marriage, after marriage? We date, we sacrifice, we try. I traveled 285 when it was gravel to get from Decatur, Georgia, to Sandy Springs to date that lovely woman right back there. I'm, talking to, I'm pointing to my wife now. <laughs> Let's get that straight. Let's keep that on record, amen? One time she was back there and I forgot the tithe. I said, put in the tithe. Three visitors got mad at me in front of her. I said, I was talking to my wife, amen. But I went a gravel road. I mean, it was barriers, Brother Jim. It wasn't even open yet. I was cutting the corner. Praise God, I was in a comet that had more rust than green on it. Exhaust came out of the uh, radio, I mean the defrost, and I was there to impress my wife with this great car. No, I was there to love her and spend time with her. For four years, I dated her, and finally she proposed to me. Amen. It took me a long time to pop the question. I was crazy. But folks, honor. You honor people when you take them on a date. You honor them by 
paying the bill. Folks, it's not saying that they're in fear. They're just precious. You ought to cherish your wife as a gift from God. I'm going to have to really, I'm going to preach two months on this. But anyway, honor, respect. You want to, you want to energize your whole atmosphere of your home, then there ought to be honor. There ought to be honor between the siblings. There ought to be honor to mama and daddy. It's the only promise in the Old Testament of the commandments that there's with a promise, a long life. Honor. Children, you better not say old man and old woman around me. I'll tell you that right now. They're your mama and your daddy and they sacrifice for you and they buy you that $150 tennis shoe for you to look cool at school. Before I'd buy a $150 tennis shoe that had to have dry, that had to have power steering and air brakes on them. Amen. I'm preaching on the grace of God this morning. Because it says, heirs together of the grace of God. Number one, it's saving grace. Friend of mine, you don't get saved by works. You don't get saved by some religion. You don't get saved by baptism or join the church or any ordinance. You're saved by the grace of God. What is the grace of God? God's riches at Christ's expense. What is the grace of God? He gave His only begotten Son for you on the cross. Listen to me now. I'm preaching to you so you'll be saved. He gave His Son to die in your place. And the reason He can forgive you is He treated His Son as if He did it. For God so loved the world that He what? Gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believed Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Two sinners cannot meet each other's needs, but I want to tell you something. You can't meet your own need of salvation. Only Jesus met that need. It is finished at the cross of Calvary. And friend, let me just say this. What light, what fellowship has light with darkness? 1 Corinthians six fourteen. Let me say this, teenagers. You should never date somebody lost. And you should never date anybody that's less spiritual than you. Because they could be your mate one day. You better thank God for that instruction right there. What fellowship has light with darkness? I told my two girls, I said, Girls, you attract boys spiritually because if you attract them with your body or physically, that's how you got to keep them. And one day you're not going to be keepable. Excuse me. You're not going to be as attractive and, and, and beautiful. And you better have a spiritual relationship, say amen. So attract them spiritually. But the only way you can attract somebody spiritually is you need to be spiritual. And that means be saved. By the grace of God, you can start giving. By the grace of God, you can be heirs together of the grace of life. That means you can receive what God wants in your life and your marriage like faith and joy and peace and purpose and power and victory over self and victory over sinfulness and victory over selfishness. And friend, you can have the victory to give as you've never given before. And it takes a lot of giving in a marriage. Amen. And then number two, there's sustaining grace. Paul prayed three times in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Lord, heal me, heal me, Please heal me. I got a thorn in the flesh. Some uh, crazy theologian said that was his wife. He wasn't married. 
And why would he say he, the, the wife was the thorn in the flesh? No, folks, it was some physical. Some person said, oh, I know what it was. It was a blindness on the road to Damascus. He saw that light and he couldn't see. It's a, it's a thorn in the flesh. Folks, we don't know what the thorn in the flesh was or God would tell us. And he wants your thorn to identify with his thorn, whatever you're going through. But folks, you can pray. And he said, I prayed twice. And he says, I besought the Lord twice, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for these. And so in other words, he said, no, I won't heal you. <clears throat> and, he said, and he said, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Let me close by saying this. Folks, sometimes it's God's will to heal you and sometimes it's not. Ms. Jennifer, you've been through a long battle with that cancer. I know you prayed many, many times. God, please heal me. Please heal me. I know the children have called, prayed. Her, her, their wife, husbands prayed. Oh, God, heal us. And folks, thank God the Lord's done great things. But I want to tell you something. It's not always God's will for what we pray. We have to find out what God's will is. Because he changed his prayer then said, verse 9, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I want to say this, friend. Sustaining grace is prevalent in the definition of heirs together the grace of life. Trials are a test of your faithfulness. Trials is a test for your faithfulness to your mate. It's not about you, it's about Him. And folks, it's just not about her and it's not about you, it's about Him. It's about God's glory. And trials are not to be wasted. James 1.5 says you pray God will give you wisdom not to waste the trial. And I want to tell you this, trials should drive you closer to each other, not apart. It's not to death do us part. Listen to me now. Listen, please, please listen while I'm talking. Your soul's at stake. Folks, listen, it's not to death do we part in most marriages, to debt do we part. Financial pressure is the number two cause for divorce. Number one is lack of communication. I'll preach on that a lot in the next few weeks. It's the circulatory system of the marriage. Folks, even to have a relationship with God, you've got to talk to Him. And you've got to listen, read the Word, say Amen. Sometimes we don't ever talk, we don't ever communicate, we don't listen, and we don't, we don't, we're not best friends. It's just a surface conversation. Your best friend ought to be your mate. Say amen right there. And folks, trials ought to drive us to each other, not away. But how can that be? The saving grace and the sustaining grace. And that last but not least, and I'll preach the rest of it tonight. There's the serving grace. I call it giving grace. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. This is what I preached at the joy class this morning. I saved the teaching for Brother Pete. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. The Bible says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction... The abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. Folks, here's a poor church given to missions. But I'm not emphasizing missions. I should because this is our last Sunday of faith promise commitment. 
But folks, I want to tell you something. If you want to give, you better let God give through you. Because about the best you can do is manipulate. About the best you can do is barter. You love me, I love you. But I want to tell you something. When you get married, it should be a giving relationship, not a getting relationship. Had a lady come in my office several years back. I hope she's not listening to this tape right now. And she said, I'm getting a divorce. I said, ma'am, I think you've already had about three or four, haven't you? She said, yes, I have, but I am getting a divorce. I said, why are you leaving? She said, because when I'm next to Jerry, and she has a serious heart attack, I don't tingle. So I fear, I feel like I've fallen out of love. You know, do, do you fall in love and you fall out of love? And I said, well, I'm going to tell you something, ma'am. And I called her name. Go over there on that wall there, and there's a plug. And stick your finger in that plug, and you'll get a tingling. That is not love. That's electricity. And, folks, love is not a tingle. Folks, the results of it is tingle. I, I still tingle around my wife. Amen? Praise God. I think she's the most beautiful woman in the world. And I love having conversation with her. And eating meals with her more than any woman i ever known or ever would know. But I'll say this, friend. I don't base it on feelings. I base it on God's love. And folks, I want to tell you something. God is love, not tingles. 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love. And so I want to tell you how you can be romantic. I'll tell you how you can have chivalry and manners and you can have a love. It's God's love in action. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8 through the end of the chapter, tell us how to be romantic. For instance, love is kind. There ought to be a revival of kindness in the marriage. Amen. You was kind before you got her. Now that you captured her and, and, and married her, and you got her, there ain't no more kindness. Last week I had Brother Trent and this guy uh, sing a very worldly song in one of our sessions, and I, I regret it now. It was by the Righteous Brothers. I thought it'd be spiritual. And they sang, Have you, I've lost that love and feeling, whoa, 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 whoa. And, they, and Brother Trent picked this young guy. He put on black sunglasses. He started praying up and down the... I almost walked into chairs, and he was doing this and doing that. I said, oh, my word. I, I, oh, goodness, this is terrible. He went and got, up, got on the aisle next to his, to his wife, and I better demonstrate right here. His wife, and he was singing to her, you know, and praise God. I mean, this guy went wild on that song. It just destroyed everything. I know it was worldly. It was carnal. It was a weak moment in my marriage seminar, but it got across the point, folks, that the righteous brothers think you can lose that loving feeling. And you can lose that love and feeling, but I want to tell you what the love and feeling is. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's His Holy Spirit. who God is love. His Spirit, the fruit of it is love. And when you let Him be who He is through you, you can love your wife as Christ loved the church. You can submit to Christ as the church submits to Christ. And it's a loving, loving relationship. And then, folks... There is a whole lot of feelings. Don't you feel good about the person you're married to right now? I got two amens. We're in trouble. This, thing, this thing's going to go to mid-January now. This series. 
It's giving. Look at this. Verse 3. For in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, it says, For their power I bear record, yea, and through beyond their power they were willing of themselves. Oh, friend, listen. And then it goes on down to say this. And this they did not as we hoped, but first gave them own selves to the Lord and unto the will of God. And so much that we desire Titus that as he has begun, so he would also finish. You with me now? Verse 6. The same grace also. What grace? What's he talking about grace here? Well, he defines it in verse 7. He says, Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith, and utterance, and knowledge, and all diligence, in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. What is that grace? It's the grace of giving. Yes, yes, ma'am. The last verse of this chapter says, Thanks be to God for His unspeakable gift. That's not a Christmas verse. That's a verse that sums up the greatest giving chapter in the Bible. And then look at verse um, 8. I speak not of commandment, but of occasion of the forwardness of others to prove the sincerity of your love. How do you prove that you love missions? You give. How do you prove that you love God? You give. I saw a bumper stick the other day. It said, Honk if you love Jesus. I wanted to say, hey, don't honk if you love Jesus. Tithe if you love Jesus, amen? Put that bumper sticker on. Give if you love Jesus. Give yourself. Give time driving one of those vans across the county. Give time to teach a class. Give time to usher. Give time to pick up a piece of paper in the hallway to make God's house look more attractive, whether it's black carpet or pink. Give. Give yourself. Give a testimony. Give a song. Give a talent in the, in the orchestra. Give. Folks, it's the greatest privilege that we have on this earth is to be heirs together of the grace of life. But that grace of life is giving. Giving. Giving to each other without trying to get back. And folks, I want to tell you something. It says it proves the sincerity of your love, but here's the definition of it in verse 9. You with me now? 2 Corinthians chapter 8. For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, that ye through His poverty might be rich. Folks, He gave up the splendor and glory of heaven and came to this earth and gave His love to you and purchased your salvation. You know what that's called? grace and when Peter said heirs together of the grace of life he was saying exactly this you cannot meet the needs of your mate you cannot do it you'll never give like I can give to them just be a channel of my love be a vessel of mercy and forgive and be a vessel of grace and minister to your mate I love the definition 1 Peter 3 7 you ought to at least highlight it because this is the standard and this is the beautiful description of a Christian marriage or one that has spiritual oneness not carnal manipulation 
not marrying because he's a hunk and can run a ball across a goal line. Or she can cheer and she has nice ankles. God help us. No, friend, because she loves God. And he loves God. And he'll yield to God. And he will love me like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Wow. What a challenge. Singles, would you tune in? Don't sacrifice your future by somebody that can maybe give you money because it'd be cheaper for you to go out and float alone than to marry the guy if he's not spiritual. Say amen. Don't marry him for looks. Even though it's, it's nice, scholar, to have somebody that looks pretty, pretty nice. Amen. Don't marry him because you think this is going to be a popular trend and it'll make you look cool walking down the street in his arms. But I'm going to tell you something. If he's not spiritual, he might be in somebody else's arms. I'm trying to help your marriage right now. And I'm trying to help you to see there's a spiritual relationship and there's a carnal relationship. And the carnal's doomed for destruction. But the spiritual relationship will glorify God and I'll just say this, you'll be heirs together of the grace of life. Let's pray. Father, I'll stop right there. I'll continue tonight. I promise you, Lord, I'll continue tonight. And Lord, I believe with all my heart you've spoken to people about being saved. You've spoken to people about dying to self and being filled with the Spirit of God. God, you've spoken to couples that are living beneath their God-given privilege and just getting by. God, you've even spoken to some people that are fussing and fighting every day but Sunday. Manipulating and maneuvering. Discouraged and don't even want to go home. Unfaithful in their heart. And soon that emotional affair is going to lead to a physical affair. And it's going to be destruction. It's going to be visiting hours for the kids. It's going to be loneliness. Nobody to share the joys. Nobody to share the heartaches with. Lord, please. Please, dear God. Help us realize that revival begins in the home. It begins in the heart. And it begins realizing what your high definition of marriage is. Heirs together of the grace of life.